Deep Dive, a podcast of CGT Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you live from Beijing. I'm He Yang. Good to have you with us. Well, we're going to talk about this. Recent data suggests that globally, one in six people experience infertility in their lifetime. The WHO is now calling it a worldwide problem. We discuss we discuss why is. Addressing infertility so important, and we're on a mission of starting your week with a motivational kick. Our motivational Monday offerings will get you ready to tackle the week. For today's program, I'm joined by Huang Shen and Fei Fei in the studio. First on today's roundtable, a new report by the World Health Organization shows that about 17.5 percent of the global adult population, or roughly one in six worldwide, is affected by infertility. The WHO emphasizes that the condition is common. So I'm going to ask you guys this first: Is it a big problem? Could you explain to us? Yeah, it seems like this is a universal problem.、Um, this is according to the report released by WHO World Health Organization.、Uh, earlier, Huyang has mentioned the general figure, and to be more specific, around seventeen point eight percent of the adult population in high-income countries, and sixteen point five percent of the adult population in low and middle-income countries. Are facing this problem. This has shown、uh, the urgent need to increase access to affordable, high-quality fertility care for those in need. And、uh, the WHO's report provides insight into global and regional infertility prevalence by analyzing all relevant studies from 1990 to 2021、uh, by taking into account different estimation approaches. Approaches used.、Um, so the third, the search identified twelve thousand and two hundred and forty-one records of potentially relevant studies across the world. Screening of these records led to the selection of one hundred and thirty-three studies that were included in the analysis for the report. For, from these findings and the research, relevant data points were used to generate pooled estimates for lifetime and period infertility prevalence. So, after a series of research, it comes with the conclusion that this has become a problem. Right. It seems like infertility is much more prevalent than anyone wants to think about it. If we look at these figures,、um, and the、uh, director general at the WHO. Says that infertility doesn't discriminate.、Mm. And、uh, what's your initial sort of takeaway when you saw that 
well, there's this big report and actually a first by the WHO uh, addressing this infertility issue. Well, I think the most surprising factor is that the most surprising finding, I would say, is that uh, no, more, no matter for people in high, middle or low income countries, they are pretty much facing the same pro- a similar problem, I would say, is that they are having challenges in this reproductive area. And of course, we have technologies available at the moment. We have different types of technologies to assist and address this problem. But the thing is, for most people around the world, the cost is most of the time unaffordable, Right. especially for middle and low-income countries. I think the, the WHO's findings says that sometimes the cost is three to five, three times higher than the average income for these middle and low-income countries. And for people who are facing this problem. And at the same time, we are in the context, the global context that we are seeing lower birth rates around countries. And people are trying to figure out the ways, you know, to to, to address this problem with population, with aging, with low birth rates. And I think now um, it becomes more and more important to really look at this technology, because for most countries, they are underfunded. Mm. And because of the prices, they're also inaccessible. And now I think the WHO is trying to really put the significance here so that governments can really do something about it. Right. There's one interesting point that you raised here, and I hope we might be able to go into depth a bit later in the discussion. That is, um, yeah, some countries are experiencing low birth rates. But overall, when you look at the global population, the who in previous reports have been focused on the other end of the spectrum of this issue that is an overpopulation as a major public health concern globally. So, Mm. well, it's interesting to look at sort of the balance there. Um, But before we get into all of that, um, when we talk about infertility, is it basically having difficulty in conceiving and having a baby? Is it pretty much what is essentially at the seat of this whole issue? I think if fertility is something to do with um, the male or female reproductive system, uh, by definition, experts suggested that uh, if you fail to achieve a pregnancy after 12 months or more of regular and protected sexual intercourse, it can cause significant uh, outcomes. Like maybe you, you still fail to get pregnant, then maybe you should go to a professional medical institution to do further checkups and to see is there anything to do with the infertility. Mm-hmm. And when some people has been diagnosed with symptoms of infertility, it could cause significant distress, stigma, and financial hardship, affecting people's mental and psychological well-being. So this is something to do with so many reasons based mm. on your lifestyle, maybe something about the food you eat and the pollution in the big environment and uh, climate change. There's so many things can contribute to uh, the infertility and it could be genetic as well. So there are so many reasons. Um, if you are experiencing this, maybe it's necessary to go to a hospital or a clinic and to do a further checkup. Yes, and actually, you raised such a good point here. That is, this is far more prevalent than one previously would have thought. And also, um, this might only offer as a little bit of a 
uh, remote memory of infertility. Um, I'm really glad to see that this issue is no longer something that um, people would see in a leaflet plastered over a lightning pole or, or a telephone pole as such. And uh, it's not something that you see on the wall of a back alleyway in the street. But this is actually something we could face in broad daylight and also sort of uh, scientifically without taboo and address an issue. And I think that is so important to sort of um, act as the first step to make many social issues better. And when we talk about infertility and the actually quite a challenging situation it is globally, um, Huang Shan just highlighted for us some of the main themes of uh, the main reasons how this has come about. Could you bring us a bit more detail in the possible reasons that contribute to this global um, issue, a public health issue of infertility? Yeah, I think, uh, as Huang Shan said, lifestyle, the changes on lifestyle or your diet or right now, I think a lot of people, especially young people living in big cities, they're facing, for example, longer working hours, a lot of pressures in their workplaces and also the environment in urban areas, we have to admit, are more polluted than many decades ago. So I think these kind of um, environmental issues, changes, would I would say, can be contributing to the fact that people are finding it sometimes challenging to to have babies, really. But I think on the other hand, a lot of ex- experts are saying that maybe we are facing more people having infertility issues. But I think maybe in the old times, it's just People don't like to share about the, these kind of issues because um, the, the the social stigma behind it, especially targeting women back back don't decades and decades ago. Don't you think also men as well? Because it takes of sperm and egg, but, and then either way, it doesn't look good in the olden days. Now, supposedly, but, we can look at this more rationally. Yeah, but like in the old times, it's like female females, the women are the ones to be blamed for not being able to have to that conceive. That is just wrong. Right now, we are seeing changes in some countries, mm-hmm. but you know the stigma is still somehow still more inclined on the women's shoulders. So I think um, in this case, that uh, it's also good to talk about this is that both men and women are facing the same challenges and they are maybe have to deal, if, if they really want to solve this problem, the, the both of them have to work their part to be able to solve it. Right. It's not just one part's job. It's yeah. a teamwork. Yeah, it's a teamwork. <laughs> it's, it's some... Isn't that the essence of a marriage? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the social stigma behind it is also something people have been talking about, especially in some countries. Women face problems like violence or divorce or stress or depression, anxiety or low self-esteem because of this problem. But sometimes maybe she... The, the woman is not the ones to be blamed because, you know, biologically, both women and men can have issues when it comes to reproductive systems. Right. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much what happened with infertility and a lot of things behind it. Yeah. Another reason I can think of is that uh, due to socioeconomic development in many cities, in many countries, we are seeing people are delaying their marriage age, uh, especially for places when women um, 
who have received better education, then very likely they don't want to, you know, tie the knot in early twenties and then give birth immediately after the marriage. And I think many people they would like to pursue their career first, and when they finally want to settle down with someone and form their small family, when it's reaching the age they ser they seriously consider, oh, maybe it's time for us to have a baby. Maybe you are reaching. Thirty-four, thirty-five,、mm. or even older. I mean, ideally, or in theory, experts suggest that for women, it's better for you to give birth before thirty-five. That could be considered as the prime age of giving birth.、Um, so, no matter you want to admit it or not, very likely after thirty-five,、uh, for the ladies, maybe you are experiencing the decreasing amount of eggs. And also, maybe、um, your ability of giving birth cannot compete with people who are still in their early twenties or in their early thirties. But this is not、um, this is not definite. It's still based on your personal physical condition. Right. So usually, doctors will suggest you to give birth before thirty-five. So if you are above that age and you just happen to be experiencing such issues, then very likely you may need some.、Um, Assisted fertility technology, and for men as well. So maybe due to the really, really intense work schedule, or sometimes the stress level is really high, that could do things to the quality of your sperms. There are so many reasons that can cause infertility.、Um, maybe that's the reason why we are talking about IVF or artificial、um, insemination, those kind of things, which can come in handy to help you to solve your problem. Right. So, thanks to technology, people can have more choices、mm. in that sense. But this is a really interesting discussion, and I think it's great to have a platform to open up these discussions and. I remember reading and watching in movies on various occasions this sort of soul-searching moment for females. That is in the twenties,、um, after maybe you've received education, however level it might be, and、um, you know move to a big city, start your work, your career, or whatnot, and also using contraception、um, throughout your twenties. Because you want to practice safe sex, you want to make good decisions for yourself, in a way also for society. And、um, but then once you hit the big three zero, and then you know in your thirties, and then、uh, for a lot of folks, like the way you look at life and a lot of things just flips one eighty, and then you have other decisions to make in life, and now you want you want to settle down as such, and then here comes the fertility issue. So, in a way, of course, you know, contraception has been a great invention that has liberated so many females, and、uh, alongside. The washing machine and many other inventions, actually, and there are plenty of publication out there that uh, sort of uh, discusses this in great detail, which I find to be fascinating. And I encourage you to read up on these subjects. But in the 30s, and then just like Wang Shen said just now,、uh, 35 seems to be sort of like a watershed moment for a, a lot of women when it comes to fertility or infertility. And then it's even been called the biological in. Uh, inquil, uh, inequality. So basically,、um, this is in a lot of ways a female issue. But if you look at the family, then、mm -hmm. this is also a family issue. And no wonder sometimes you know women 
or men feel the pressure, um, which is really the least thing you you need when you're in that case of scenario. So it's really good to sort of look at the uh, issues or the, the reasons to um, this increase in attention that's been given to infertility. And could you also enlighten us on the ways to improve fertility? Because there is plenty of study out there and techno- technologies or medical advances as such that is there to help people out. Well, there are a number of technologies out there. For example, there are IUI or GIFT. uh, But the most effective ones among them is IVF, which is intro vitro uh, fertilization. And right now, I think over the past three decades, more than 5 million children were born worldwide using some sort of this kind of technologies. We call it ART interventions, such as IVF. But um, it, these kind of technologies are sometimes expensive, but it's also quite um, painful and invasive, especially for the females. Mm. And I think, for example, in IVF, a lot of the time is that they are going through different cycles and each cycle can span more than three weeks. And sometimes you won't be successful in the first cycle. You will try multiple times, three, two or even three times. And that includes a lot of drugs, sometimes shots, and to, to, you know, to sort of stimulate your ovulation and then to be able to, to sort of cultivate that embryo and then put it into your uterus. And that kind of technologies really, I think, put a lot of pressure on the female part is also because of the drugs and the shots can have impacts on even your emotions. And sometimes I heard some of my friends who went through this similar procedure complaining about they're having this major mood swings when they are trying to to have these shots. And so right now, even though we have these kind of technologies to assist us, I would say it's definitely not the top choice when it comes to um yeah, when it comes to 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 infertilities, but I think um, for for now, a lot of people are arguing that maybe we need to include uh, the costs of this technology, this ART technologies, into our national healthcare insurance mm-hmm. system, so that more people can look at these options and can afford them, especially for middle and lower income countries. Yeah, I think for IVF could be the most popular, mm. um, one of the most popular ART interventions chose by many people who are facing the infertility. And also the success rate of IVF depends on your situation because if you are in a more developed country and you have the access to a bunch of professional institutions and uh, if you are capable of working with the top doctor in this field and you have uh, basic conditions for this method, very likely maybe your uh, rate of success could be as high as 65%. But if you have other complications or if you don't have a very uh, professional doctor or if they don't come up with a very detailed and suitable plan for your situation, 
the success rate could be as low as twenty or thirty percent. So it's just like very unpredictable. It depends on your、um, situation as well as your cooperation with your doctor. Of course, the professional skills of your fertility doctor, and I think. Fifi already mentioned、uh, one issue is about your mental stability. That is very important because sometimes when you start the cycle, it could be very stressful,、mm. especially for some families. Maybe they don't have the、uh, financial capability of handling this process. Then for them, maybe financial burden、mm. is. You know, it's another issue they have to consider. And when you are dealing with this biggest challenge in your life, then you also need to、uh, think about how can I cover my medical insurance. That's another thing to worry about. Because when you start the first round of IVF, maybe if it fails, you have to start another round.、Mm. There's never a guarantee of how much it may cost. And for women, I don't know how. Many of them can handle both things. You know, both are big tasks. I mean, your work and the IVF procedure. So, I think is quite challenging for many couples.、Um, so now we are thinking from the perspective of a person or or a couple who are very、um, lucky, who's living in a big city with amazing hospitals, and you have access to such places. And for people who are in, let's say. Lower tier cities or smaller towns. If they have this problem, think about it. They have to maybe find a big comprehensive hospital in a bigger city, accommodation,、um, your transportation, everything. When you add up the costs, maybe it will scare away some couples who are desperate for having babies, but financially they're incapable of doing so. So it sounds like it's kind of easy, actually, to slip into a situation of, well, there is the obvious financial barrier when looking at infertility.、Um, therefore, socioeconomic factor might determine, or let's put it this way, might give those in a better financial decision. A greater chance to improve their、uh, infertility issue,、mm. but if you don't have the money, you don't have the means. When you look at you know around the world, then if you are in that faced with that situation, then you're kind of stuck, and you have and you just basically don't have that plan B.、Um, well, no pun intended, actually.、Mm. So, is that a problem? Is inequality? Could that be a problem? Well, I think it definitely is one of the problems.、Um, for example, there are people that have access to this technology to IVF, but then they are only able to afford, for example, for one cycle, and they try that one cycle, and that doesn't work out, and then they can't really afford. The third, the second, or the third rounds of the same procedure because it just it can be costing,、um, you know, from thousand dollars to even more in some countries. So I think、uh, a lot of the, for example, organizations like the WHO right now is advocating for the governments to really step up so that couples who are having the idea of having a baby but are facing challenges. Can have these options at least. They are able to try one or two cycles, and then to see if they can, you know, it, it can work out. And then they won't be stopped 
by financial burdens. And then some, but I think for a lot of governments, there are also questions about, you know, why the healthcare system is designed. It's it's kind of like a safety net to provide a safety net for those who can't even afford basic healthcare services. But then there are also countries asking the question: Is is technology, ART technologies, really in the in the lump of you know? Are the basic healthcare services that we need? I think the reason for a lot of countries who didn't really include these kind of technologies into their national system is that people are having this kind of debate.、Mm-hmm. Of course, it will help a lot of couples to solve infertilities, but is that the basic healthcare services that every citizen in our country needs? Can I just bluntly put it this way? It depends on how serious this nation values low birth rate.、Mm. If it's really、mm. that serious, then it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out how to include it into your healthcare system. That's true, but also I I mean there are only not, this much of funds in that pool of healthcare system, and you also have to address problems like aging. Population and how do you utilize this kind of money? I think is a, a debate that everybody is having at the moment. Also, we don't have the time to talk about this on today's show, but I would like to leave this question to our listeners: What about the overpopulation possible issue globally? And then on the other end, we're talking about boosting birth rates by improving infertility. So. Do you have some thoughts about that? You can reach us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail dot com. We'll be back. I was born on the seventeenth of November. Delve into a world of words with books and beyond, a podcast made especially for audio book lovers. I came into the world as the youngest of five children. I wondered what Her Majesty would be like. Fie upon you, limpid one! Why have you taken? Immerse yourself in gripping stories and timeless classics from the comfort of your own personal space. Sun Tzu underlined three points on the context to gain initiative. There was no better wine, and not to mention the. Whether you are a bookworm or a casual listener, our carefully curated selection of audio books will transport you to new worlds and stir your imagination. Subscribe to Books and Beyond and start your audio book adventure now on radio.cgtn.com or your favorite podcast app. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, Hua Young. I'm joined by Huang Shen and Fei Fei in the studio. Coming up, an alleged overtime row provoked a heated discussion over the so-called mandatory voluntary overtime phenomenon. Although the story was later proved to have been made up, but what part of it resonated with so many people?、Uh, one more topic. Career and work culture related. Is it vital to stay in key positions in the core of your business and maybe promotion to a mid-level management? 
position isn't always great. And our special segment, Motivational Monday, coming your way, will give you that adrenaline shot for the start of the week. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. When you're there and you're so inclined, please give us a five-star review. It will help other folks find the show. And do you have a question for Roundtable's Heart to Heart segment? Share with us, and it could be answered on the show. Please send us a voice memo or email to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Now on Roundtable, as we continue today's discussion, a series of WeChat screenshots about an alleged protest of forced overtime generated a one-sided discussion about the grueling work culture in many industries. The climax of the story was when the group of co-workers, fed up with being asked to work through a holiday, walked out in unison. The viral story was later confirmed by the local public security bureau as a complete fabrication by a disgruntled job applicant. But the news has already caused a stir, with internet users sharing their、uh, discontent with the so-called mandatory voluntary overtime phenomenon. And let's take about well, okay, guys, what is? It about this piece of fake news story that strikes a chord with so many workers. Apparently, this has attracted so much attention because, very likely, in recent years, we are seeing so many employees they have been facing the problem of being asked to do overtime work or work extra hours during holidays when. This is a common issue within many companies in the country, and、uh, many employees aren't happy with this treatment. But they have nothing else they can do to, you know, stand up for their rights. When you are seeing a similar story, though it's fake,、um, but there are some points which has resonate, which have resonated、uh, with many employees. I mean, maybe that's a reason why. This is an issue, and we are talking about the work overtime、mm. or this mandatory slash voluntary overtime phenomenon. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of oxymorons, but just right before the show, we were talking about this, and Fei Fei, like both of us, were like, "Yeah, the climax of the story was when everybody was acting together, even if it only exists in fiction." <laughs> It's a good feeling. <laughs> yeah, it is.、Um, of course, like in the fiction, you you want to imagine that one person rises up and everybody else just starts to follow him, and that just seems really well passionate and encouraging. But you know, in reality. We have actually worked in a professional workplace, especially in big corpor- corporations. You know, most of the times that's not going to happen. Like one person rises up, maybe a couple will follow, but you are not going to see like a whole department of workers start to follow that rising up person. So I think that's like a, a really questioning factor in that fake story as well. But I think another point. Uh, another that triggers a lot of people talking about this is that what role the middle management, like the small manager in your department, is really playing.、Oh. And I think a lot of say people, it again, small manager. It's like they're sort of in the middle. They are able to. They have some power over you. They are able to managing some projects, but they still have to report to a bigger boss. 
above、mm-hmm. them, and so they are sort of in the middle who passes down the orders from the big boss, and then they also trying to communicate what people on the grassroots level are thinking to you know the level above them. And no, now I think a lot of people are having problems with this middle management people is that they're questioning what kind of role are they really playing here, like. Yeah, you are supposed to be to be the bridge between me and my big boss, but are you really? Is that it? Like you, you receive a lot of payment. You have a really good packages, and you have power to order me around to do things, and you are only passing around messages.、Mm. And I think a lot of pe- employees, especially young workers, are having this kind of question: is that. They don't see this kind of manager having proper management skills. They are not. They probably to... don't. <laughs> yeah, that's also. I think the majority of the case is they 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 can't demonstrate management skills, and at the same time, they can't really motivate people in the team to work for the same goal. And so, and that is also what another. Um, character in that fake story that the, the manager is playing is he's sort of the target for a lot of criticism as well. Yeah, it, that actually questions I think a pretty basic arrangement of、um, personnel structure、mm. in an organization because if you have so many layers of management of One passing on to the next, and having to sort of beautify this PPT or whatever it is, and saying to your superior, "This is what we've done," and then it seems like a lot of the level of management in the middle is to sort of do that, because、mm-hmm. otherwise, the boss or the boss's boss, and and you know, it's like a chain reaction, and then otherwise they wouldn't know.、Mm-hmm. So. It it sounds a bit like redundant and futile efforts. What a waste of resources, in a way, if I may. S- not me. People on the internet saying this. So therefore,、um, th- this is pointing the finger at a possible work structure、mm. or company structure issue. Because if the bosses are just so remote. Um, and, and not knowing what's happening on the ground, then how are they gonna know what's going on?、Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, what's the role of middle management in that? And also, it's not just okay. If you want a salary rise, then if you want a raise, then it's sort of looking up to the upper management. But to get the work down, you're looking at one level below to ask people to do the. If I may say, heavy lifting a lot of the times. So then there is very quite common to have some sort of friction in between, and with this sadly proven to be fake story, but it sort of touched on a lot of these sore points for people and for the average worker. Working long hours and sometimes not feeling that you have the room or chance to say no、mm. to working extra hours, especially during a holiday when it's a public holiday when it's mandated by law, saying that you have the time off,、mm. but you feel compelled to do this work. And also, a lot of these workers are saying. 
this work is super inefficient, and we're just there to present ourselves in the office to present to leaders that、um, you're, you're committed. And then, what kind of toxic and insufficient work culture is that? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like back in like a. A decade ago, like in Japan, a lot of the discussions ago, also, were also going on about toxic working hours, working environment. Is that the workers don't leave their desk until their boss leaves, even though they have nothing to do at their hands, and that's also contributing to the longer and longer and longer working hours in Japan. And then I think the Japanese government start to im to to start to. Enforce a lot of really harsh laws about this, and at some point, the management of a company could face jail time if they really ask asking their workers to work for extremely longer working hours. But that's one part is that we can have legal actions again about this. But I think on the other side is that a lot of the workers and are complaining that. Their overtime is not really properly paid because, according to the law, if a worker worked on a public holiday, they are supposed to be paid triple of their income.、Hmm. But I think a lot of companies right now are not offering this kind of compensation, and that's also a lot where a lot of complaints coming from. Is that I think some people won't have an issue if they are paid to do the overwork. Mm-hmm. But if they're not paid, but still working longer and longer hours, they start. They will start to have this criticism and this and this distress and anxiety and even anger towards any system in the company. Right. So what do you do? I guess I think this fake news story basically offered a glimmer of hope to a lot of people that there is something you can do as the little one in this big corporate slash workplace power game. Maybe、mm. you can start with talking to your coworkers to see if is it the truth that everyone is suffering the similar situation, and when everyone is angry. Towards aggressive and ruthless corporate culture, maybe you guys can team up.、Mm-hmm. It will make a big change.、Uh, if no one dare to speak up, very likely you are one of the people who is normalizing bad behaviors, just like the middle、uh, manager. In this fictional story, so sometimes you need to have a very great communication mechanism in your company. And if you are feeling like、uh, your small manager, his or her role is only to deliver the message from the boss to grassroots or frontline workers in a timely manner, then you realize why I need to listen to this person. And if your boss is a very very inclusive and very Charismatic person, why not? Maybe you are crossing the tier, but like, why not just frankly talk to your supervisor and trying to have a very effective communication. So over time is scary, and sometimes if you feel like I'm doing it for a better payment, or I can turn the hours I overworked into productivity or creativity that you feel proud of. That's another story to tell, but like, <laughs> if you are just wasting your time in the office by doing nothing, and maybe you're 
physical body is there, but your mind has wandered around. No, I don't know where they where your mind is, but like I think this is a time you should tell yourself you need to take care. Of your mental health and your physical health, because we are not robots. It's not like you shut you down at night. The other day, you restart and you function in a very good way. We are not bots. That's why human beings are valuable. This is our asset: critical thinking as well as your creativity. Yes, that is so important. And staying on the workplace beat, stay or leave key positions of the core business. Well, it's a big. Decision to make for some people, and we'll discuss right after this break. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I have the lovely Fei Fei and. Huang Shen in the studio with me. A promotion to mid-level management positions is maybe an acknowledgement and reward to one's hard work, but it may also mean one becomes distant from the core business when the time of economic softening comes. Well, economic softening comes, and the company wants to trim some fat. Guess what jobs end up on the chopping board first? Is it a bad career move to? Leave the core business in an organization, and this is kind of connected to the previous、uh, topic that we've presented to you. So, what do you think? Also, could you explain to us, you know, the key positions at core at the core of the business? Really, how vital are they? I think it depends on your industry. So, if we are using our job as an example, I think what we are doing might be in the key positions because you are doing content creation. And for many other industries, when you are working on key positions, maybe you have to、uh, perform tasks、uh, that are related to the core business. Of your company, in other words, they are the employees directly involved in generating revenue. So that depends on、uh, the job description of your industry as well as the nature of your industry. So I think in an earlier episode we talk about why so many people they're super competitive, competent. They are reluctant to be promoted into management roles because maybe it will、uh, lead to a reality that you will be、uh, directed away from the core business in your company. So this is a hard decision to make, and you have to ask yourself what you want to see in your future. What about your career prospect? Well, I think another part to look at what kind of position is the key position in your company is I think when you look at the workloads, if you are facing a lot of them, and you are really pressure, if you face a lot of pressure in your work, that's probably mean that you are in the sort of core business of that organization that you work for, and then on the other side, I would say. You know, when people are trying to say stay in the key position of the core business, 
but that core business can change. Like if you look at the auto industry,、um, several decades ago, of course, if you're working in the sales of the fossil fuel cars, that means you are in the key, in the center of the core business. But now I think that core is start to shifting to maybe new energy vehicles.、Mm. So, but I think for workers. It will be really difficult to really keep up with that change. Sometimes,、oh, if you are really always following the trends, sometimes that trends work out to be the next generation of a new technology. But there are also cases that you follow that trend and then that trend dies out. Right. Oh, this is a great example. One very recent example could be. We've heard all the rage of、um, met the metaverse, right,、mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And guess what? The latest news in that sector is, well, a whole bunch of companies in Silicon Valley have been axing the metaverse jobs、mm. just now. So、mm. it was all the rage yesterday, but today it's like you don't even have a job because、yeah. because. Cause because、um, so many causes. So basically, when the economic climate shifts, and then if the company decides that we don't have that much resources to be devoted to、um, frontier R and D, now we sort of need to buckle up and tighten the purse strings a little bit. Then, yeah, what was really popular yesterday as a job, then today it might not be there. So our current job. Environment is shifting so much more faster than what it used to be, decades ago. So, oh, you raise an interesting、uh, question here as well in saying that. Well, what is the core business here, right? And、yeah. then being、um, in the key position, then yeah, that the meaning actually begs a question. Yeah, and also, I also think for a lot of people working in this. Core business positions is that sometimes they enter into this cocoon of themselves, is that they take pride in working、mm. in these key and important positions, and over time they start to feel that they're entitled to these responsibilities, and they they acquire the essential skills to work at least in the industry. But so they they become I think ignorant at some level to the new changes to the new trends in their industry, and before they start to realize it, the new trend is shifting and they're left out. But what about so-called mid-level management then? You know the. That the people apparently are not very much favored by many internet users.、Um, in the previous topic,、um, do you agree with this assessment that when the time of economics、uh, softening happens, and therefore they might even not even get to keep their jobs, and the ones in key positions of the so-called core business actually do? I think you should maintain your uniqueness as well as your competitiveness, because maybe being very awesome in your field and you would like to climb up the ladder, and also you want to excel in your field. However, you also need to take some time to look around. Don't lose touch with the industry and see what is the next cool in your industry. So you have to learn, keep learning.、Yeah. I think that's the way to、uh, make you always be competitive in your field. That is possibly the best takeaway of today's show coming from Huang Shen. Coming up next, motivational Monday. Mo- 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 motivational Monday. 
Mondays. There's no way around a Monday, only through it. So, Huang Shan, what do you have for us? Today, my motivational Monday quote comes from legendary UCLA basketball coach John Wooden. He's well known for his quotes that have inspired people in life, just as they do in basketball. And today, the quote is: "When you improve a little each day, eventually big things occur. Don't look for the quick, big improvement. Seek the small improvement one day at a time. That is the only way it happens. And when it happens, it lasts." I'm inspired. I'm inspired by this quote because so many people find themselves in a rut and don't know how to get out of it. Maybe they are dreamers. They dream big. They want to be the hero of their story, but they don't have the patience to make incremental, lasting changes. And they get disappointed when the quick, big fixes don't work. And the reality is, if quick fixes don't work, people will go back into their comfort zone because people are inherently lazy. They will only leave their comfort zone if they have willpower or if external issues cause them to leave the comfort zone. I think Wooden's quote shows that leaving your comfort zone doesn't have to be a huge climb; it just has to be baby steps in the right direction. I know many people who can find growth from this quote. People who can improve with a little small improvement each day. Perhaps they can get off the couch, put more effort into, let's say, their appearance, their outfit, stand straighter, become more sociable,、uh, do some small things to help their friends and family, and wow, you add up these little things, and soon you will find you are on your way. And these small changes will last because they have become a habit. And everyone knows that people are creatures of habit. So that's the reason why I like this quote because it understands the human nature to put in the smallest effort for the biggest reward. But sometimes the smallest efforts can be the start of something new. Very nice. Something to think about on a Monday. Fifi, what do you have for us? Um, so my motivational motivational Monday can sort of answers back to one of our topics is that last year one of my friends came to me complaining that she she's kind of the team leader at that time and she complaining about her team members are not being really cooperative and not really motivated about their job at all and so she had she had a lot of complaints about that and then. Um, I think she tried different ways to motivate these team members, but none of them really works. It's just that it seems like these members are just not passionate about this career or, or about this field. But then I think she start to try small talks with them, like checking in on what you are working on today, how are you feeling today, and then slowly these members start to open up to her, and then gradually she realized that a lot of the times these team members are not really being. Not cooperative or not motivated, they just didn't know what others in the team need and what they need to do. And then she told me that over the years she realized that communication within the team to realize what each other needs is really important, and also don't make your judgments too fast.、Mm. Just look around and talk about this, and you will know what the problem really is. I call that 
acquiring management skills, and some people can do that successfully. And sometimes there's some, some people are simply just not built for it. Maybe, um, maybe that's a little bit demotivational, but I'll try to pick it up from there. Well, I have a song for you picked out today. It's Daniel Powder's "Bad Day." When I hear this song, it makes me smile, just like a good friend telling you, "So you've had a bad day, huh?" Remember, your glass is half full, not half empty. Live life to the max, and remember that no matter how bad your day is, someone else's day is probably worse. Joking aside, this song kind of feels like a hug. It doesn't take away the pain or fix the broken. But you'll still feel like it's somehow gonna be okay eventually. So that's the song we're gonna send you off with. Daniel Powder's "Bad Day." It was the biggest hit of 2006 on Billboard. So enjoy. Um, and that brings us to the end of today's show. I'm He Young. Thank you so much, Fei Fei and Huang Shan, for joining the discussion. We'll see you next time. Tell me your blue skies fade to gray. Tell me your passion's gone.